Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're gonna love her latest selection. And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they recommended. That's us. Mm -hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read, I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives, science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves in space operas. They are all mine. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books. Each month, we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would have never picked up on her own. <laughs> Even a book that isn't entirely your style might have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll see. Do you have a spoiler alert you'd like to share for this particular book? Well, usually we do the spoiler of, well, if there's a surprise ending, we're going to talk about the whole book, so stop listening now if you want to read it so we don't spoil anything yeah. for you. Um, not with this book. <laughs> <laughs> with this book, the spoiler alert is that this book was selected um, four months ago. It was indeed. Before the pandemic. Yep. And before the great shut-in. Yep. And before um, George Floyd was murdered. Yes. And our country is in a different place right now. Definitely. And I want to put out there that when George Floyd was murdered and the country started talking about structural racism and uh, police brutality of black and brown people in this country, mm -hmm. I had a complete panic attack about having selected this book, which is... No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> the book, because I haven't mentioned it yet, is um, Flashman, The Flashman Papers by George MacDonald Fraser. Yeah. I think it's Fraser, and I will probably He's keep Scottish. saying Fraser. He yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so I had this panic attack because he is a bigot of every possible variety. Mm -hmm. He is nasty and horrible to everybody. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I thought, wow, what a terrible time to have this discussion. And then I sat and thought with myself a little more, and I thought, you know what? Being afraid to have the discussion is no excuse to not have it. So okay. I think it's actually maybe a good time to have it. And because it really shows us, to me, it shows us the beginnings of structural racism. And so for anybody who either doubts that it exists mm. or has any question about whether it was intentional, this book really, really sets you straight. Those are excellent reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I still thought the book was horrible. <laughs> and <laughs> so normally we'll go through and we'll talk a little bit about the author and right. some of the other things that they've written and maybe just give a background so we're setting the stage for it. Right. And usually we each do our own independent research. Yep. So we look up quotes that we liked or we take notes about the books, our thoughts and the themes from it. Um, I didn't even do any of that this time. <laughs> I, Your anger just <laughs> made that not possible. It just kerblooied all of us. <laughs> well, and, and typically, so like Christine mentioned, we were supposed to record this podcast in March. Mm -hmm. And as per my usual process, mm -hmm. I had not planned on reading this until the night before. It is not a very large volume, relatively skinny. And I thought, well, I can, I can make that happen in a day and some change. Mm -hmm. So I put it off. Sure, like and, usual. And as usual. And it sat on my bedside for four months until we <laughs> rescheduled this. It taunted you. It did. Well, and there, there, I read the back cover mm -hmm. that in was advance. Very brave so I knew what to anticipate yes. in part out of this book, which did not entice me to want to read it anymore. Sure. 
And I think that your reason for continuing to keep this as our podcast book is a good one, that you have to have these kinds of discussions because uh, otherwise nothing ever changes. Right. And this book is set in the 1830s or 40s, somewhere in that time period. And isn't that horrifying that this main character was homophobic and sexist and a bigot and a racist and just an all-around horrible human being. Mm -hmm. And the author wrote the book in the 60s or? The series started in 1969 and continued yeah. through, I think he died in 2005. Yeah. And so when he wrote this book, it was 100 plus years past the time. And I understand that he meant it to be a satire, mm -hmm. kind of. Oh, no, fully. Mm. And, you know, I read some articles online about how he thought that writing these types of books with this type of content was a form of free speech, which mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. and that it was his way to fight against, um, like, fascism, mm -hmm. and that he would not allow political correctness to structure his works. He was going to put out there what he thought was appropriate and accurate from the time in a satire format. Right. Still didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in the um, setup from the last podcast, I said that it was a satire. So yeah. if you were a normal person, for example, and you read books over a length of time instead of in a three-hour block yeah. at five in the morning, yeah. um, I would have waited until you got about halfway through, <laughs> and then I would have said... So you would have called hey, me at midnight? Sure. Okay. And I would have said... You do know this is a satire, right? Mm -hmm. And you do know that it's it's a, a scathing um, commentary commentary yep. on colonialism and structured racism. Mm -hmm. And so, because if you think it's sincere, oh, it's unreadable. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely unreadable. Um, and so, to me, it's I've never read any of the Master and Commander series by oh, yeah. um, O'Brien. Have yeah. you read any of his? Uh, no, tried, didn't. Okay. Yeah. So I think of um, Fraser's stuff as a combination of the Master and Commander series and the Jeeves series <laughs> because it's got this sort of chatty way, language. Way to call back on that one. That was like our first podcast. <laughs> I know, and you, you didn't like ago. that one. Right. No, I did not. <laughs> so, but his, I think his command of language is spectacular. He makes really dry, incredibly pithy observations, and they're supposed to shock us, and boy, they do. I think my problem with this book was I knew all that going in. I mm -hmm. knew it was a satire. Mm -hmm. I knew it was meant to be something that forced you to think about how awful it was then. Mm -hmm. And if you read it now, how awful things can continue to be now. Right. But there are so many other good books out there that I could read that are satires and that right. make those same points. I was not able to get past his his blatant use of inappropriate language and actions to what he was trying to get to beyond that. It was just, it was too much for me. It was yeah. overwhelming. Like, I actually, I wrote a comment. I got to page 71, mm -hmm. and then I used sticky notes. So I have, like, <laughs> little post-it parts, and I put them in there. And my sticky note just said, this is embarrassing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And the the phrase that was used in there, so the, the book chronicles this guy, Flashman. Right. And it's his journey from being expelled from high school? I don't know, yeah, it's 1830. school boarding school. He gets expelled for public drunkenness. Right. And then he goes home and he convinces his father to purchase him a, a spot in the military. Mm -hmm. And then he's deployed. Right. And he wants a simple, easy, cushy job yeah. and he does not get it. Well, he does for a little while and uh -huh. then he seduces his way into out, being out of that job. Right. 
But so the, the statement that was just so embarrassing to me was he's deployed to India at one mm -hmm. point and he's having this conversation with these higher up military officials mm -hmm. and they happen to have heard him talking in the native language there, which they listed as Hindustani, which mm -hmm. I don't think that's accurate, but anymore right. or then, but that was the phrase they used. And so they heard him speaking the, the Indian tongue there and the officer says, you should have heard him. Hey, Resolder, he says, um, tiddly-o, caro. And they just totally knew what he meant. I, I read that sentence three or four times, and I thought, I don't think I can keep reading this. I am embarrassed in so many ways that even knowing that this is a satire and right. that they were trying to make a point that colonialism was not good right. and that they segregated and demeaned native populations and that they didn't care about their language or their cultures or their practices. Right. Uh, I, that was a hard moment for me. And I kept going because we want to be able to discuss the whole book, but right. there were a lot of moments like that. It was, it made it harder to keep reading. I so. totally understand. And frankly, I was pretty confident that that was going to be your <laughs> that, that take line? on it. No, that no, no, line? no. Yeah, that, that was going to be your breaking point. No, I was pretty sure that this was going to be a little too in your face for you. Yeah, probably. Um, and what appeals to it, about it to me, is that it is not, um, he, he goes right up to the edge, and in fact, he goes over the edge a bunch mm -hmm. of times. However, he doesn't make any judgments. He leaves it to the reader to say, oh my God, that's appalling. And so as you're doing this, you are rethinking all of these things, and maybe some of them are blatant, and some of them maybe aren't. True. And so I think there's a lot of value in any kind of art, in my opinion, has the um, really great quality of holding up a mirror mm -hmm. so that we see ourselves, each other, society w through the artist's lens. And I think he, so the part, one of the parts that hit it on the head for me was that um, he's talking about one of, um, oh, in India, he makes this blatant, atrocious statement, which is right across the board. And it says, the power of the white man over the black mm. um, oh, is a, Oh, the, the thing that he likes about India is the power that the white man has over the black. And power is a fine thing to have. Yeah. So, hello, that is yeah. spot on correct. And we are now suffering all of the outcome of this horrible system that we didn't necessarily set that up in Britain, but we inherited a whole lot of that mindset. And um, so I think it's a really interesting time to be talking about, yeah, you and I might not have contributed to structural racism, but we're, we're still living in it, living in it yes. and what do we do about it? So that is a really interesting point of view. And I don't know that I entirely agree with it. And I think that's because of the way part of the story is structured. Mm -hmm. So when the book starts, uh, this is a fiction book. Yes. And the way that it is premised is that this author found uh, like a journal or a diary mm -hmm. that Flashman wrote when he was in his 80s or he had dictated right. or something like that. Right. And so the author is putting it out there like, you know, these are, this is this person's diaries. I didn't edit it all. I cleaned here. up some spelling. Yeah, but here, this is it for you. Yeah. And when you're reading the story, it is mostly from the viewpoint of this young man. He's 18 and 19 in the right. story. Right. But you also get these inserts of the man who is 80 now right. thinking and talking about the actions that he took then. And he has no remorse. Oh, that is correct. He has no remorse. He has no sympathy for his actions. He is an unlikable character through mm -hmm. and through. And the fact that he has shown no growth over 60 years, even though we're reading it as a satire and it is a reflection on the civilization that we live in now, 
and when this was written in the 60s and when it was written about in the 1840s, the fact that the character, the main character in this book, didn't show any growth, right. I think that is something that readers are aware of, too. Like, at one point in this book, so he gets kicked out of school because mm-hmm. of his drunkenness, <laughs> and he goes home, and he doesn't really know what he wants to do yet. He just knows he, he's going to go hunker down for a while. And his, his mother has passed away, mm-hmm. and his father, father lives with his mistress or right. his lady friend. Right. And this, he's 17 years old at the time, seduces his dad's mistress. Mm-hmm. And then when she won't sleep with him again, he beats her up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's offensive in every, every direction. In every direction it's offensive. It is. There's no question about yeah. it. And he, he uses a live dog as practice, practice for his, um, I don't know, jousting. Yeah, he was using a jousting, lance. A lance. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing redeeming about him. No. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time with that. I need... <laughs> This is not nonfiction. Right. Nonfiction is supposed to be a factual representation of what has happened in a period of time or a, on a topic or, right. or whatever. This is fiction. Right. And if I want to read something, I want there to be, there is a storyline here, and it's this person's life. Right. But there's no, there's no growth. This character doesn't show any growth. He has right. no process. He is unlikable at the start, and he's unlikable at the end, and he doesn't seem to care. And that, oh, that's a hard, I, I have a hard time swallowing that. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with you. And when I read um, more realistic fiction, and I say realistic yeah. just because this is kind of yeah, goofy, um, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I have to have somebody likable. Otherwise, I just yeah, tune out and I don't care. Right. Yes. So in this, the reason I was able to get past it is that um, I think the fact that he owns every bit of himself, mm-hmm. warts and all, and he says, yeah, that's, take me as I am, this is me, I make no excuses, gives the idea that you don't question anything, because he's not trying to flatter himself. He's just saying, yeah, I was, this, is know, what this is what happened, and this is how it happened. And I think um, Fraser was a reporter, and so mm-hmm. he, my understanding, and I didn't fact check a lot of this, but my understanding from other reviews is that um, it's very accurate in terms of the battles and the people, and mm-hmm. he did a lot of research. So Flashman is definitely of his own, um, out of his brain, but everything else is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's fascinating, and it also is fascinating. He, he does, he's not trying to clean anything up. He's nope. showing you how, what a horrible person Cardigan was. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrate these people. Yeah. And one of the things you were talking about, that he got kicked out of rugby, his, yep. his school, his school. And um, Lord Cardigan says, where is it? Um, he, he got, oh no, it was Sir Willoughby Cotton. Okay. He says, after learning that Flashman was expelled from rugby from drunkenness, he says, no, well, damn me. Who'd have believed they'd kick you out for that? They'll be expelling for rape next. Wouldn't have done that in my day. Yeah. <laughs> and that is such an appalling statement. Mm. And it shows the flippant, behavior and attitudes and yeah. um, and to me the fact that he does it just as a it's an aside it's just a toss aside it's not meant to shock anybody well, is is what I find appealing about this and what I think you find appalling yes yeah. and I know that we have very different reading styles and different right. personal preferences and I was still struggling to get through this book even knowing that you chose it for certain aspects of it right. so the same way that you said you know the um oh general cotton made that flippant comment right. later on in the book there is an actual rape yes and you know 
it, it, it's, it's that in itself, the action in the book, is a throwaway action. It has consequences down the line, but he does it, and then he's like, I'm going to go about my day now. Done. Yeah. He, no remorse. Yeah, I just, I, I did not like him. And I, I know you're not <laughs> supposed to, because right. you're supposed to be thinking about what this meant for that moment in time and how horrible the words that they used were and why they thought it was okay to do those kinds right. of things. And to think about it for, you know, if you had been reading this when it came out in the 70s, what right. it meant then. Right. And if you're reading it now, if you choose to, which I don't recommend, but that's okay, <laughs> uh, what it means for you now. There were just so many layers to this book that I, I wish they had peeled back a little bit mm -hmm. um, and maybe toned down some of the way over the top stuff that made it harder for the book to be readable so that you could get to that message at the end. Right. Like there right. was a part in here where, um, oh, <laughs> there was a part in here towards, towards the end. So he's been deployed to, to India. They move into Afghanistan or what mm -hmm. was Afghanistan at that point. Um, their consulate is leaving Kabul because they, they are being kicked out at right. this point. And he deserts his army right. because he's, he, a coward. he's a coward and mm -hmm. he took enough food for himself. So he's fine. Yeah. Let the women and children starve sure. and the other men, everybody can starve, right. but he's fine. So he takes one other person right. and um, he gets captured. And the person who captures him is now the husband of the woman he raped. Right. And is that person is obviously ready to show him the end of his pointy sword during sure. this war. But instead the method that they choose to punish him is they have like a pit mm -hmm. and there's like little spots on the end. And so he, uh, Flashman stands on one end mm -hmm. and a strong man, a strong man who also happens to be a dwarf mm -hmm. is on the other end and there's a rope tied between them and they fill the pit with snakes. Right. And you play this deadly game of tug of war right. to see who's going to fall into the pit of snakes and die. Right. So I read that and the note that I wrote to myself was, that's not quite fitting enough end for him. He needs something <laughs> a little bit more aggressive to happen because the, the, um, the guy who puts him in this situation even says, if I had more time, this would be more bloody. Sure. But this is what I have time for. Right. And so this is what we're going to do. Right. And the fact that I was rooting for the main character <laughs> to kick the bucket. <laughs> yeah, and to, to feel more pain. And I'm normally, I think of myself as a more empathetic person, but right. no, I, he, you, out, you're out. You, we don't need to read your story anymore. And there are more of these books. They are. More They're horrible all. books out there. Oh. Well, one of my favorite parts happens at the end when he comes back home and, um, one of, well, let me back up a second. One of my favorite quotes, and you're going to hate it. He I'm talks about He talks about his wife, who he really loves. He cheats on constantly. He treats he terribly. Love her. He does. No, he Trust does me, not. he does. Mm -mm. Um, he describes her as that she smiled with the open, simple smile of the truly stupid. <laughs> and he really does love her. Now, it does not come through in this volume, but as the years progress. Mm. Um, and she gets her her I even so anyway at the end of this book mm -hmm. he goes back home and he finds out that his father is now bankrupt yes and oh my gosh worst thing that could ever happen his father-in-law now owns their house and he is beholden to his father-in-law mm -hmm. but even worse than that is that <laughs> his poor stupid wife, wife mm -hmm. Elspeth um, holds the purse strings yes and he has to go groveling to her for whatever allowance mm -hmm. he wants in her house mm -hmm. that she can't own because of British law, yep. her father owns. Yeah. And it's a very funny moment, and it's it's pretty subtle, I think, but it's a funny moment where he has a 
huh, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with this kind of patriarchal situation where I don't have control over anything and I'm beholden to this other person. Yeah, I don't like the power dynamic shift exactly. here. Exactly. And yet he had no trouble with it 30 seconds ago when the dynamic was the exact opposite or yeah. groveling to his father. But well, groveling yeah. to his wife was completely not acceptable. Yeah. So when he came home and found that his father's mistress still lived in the house, <laughs> right. he was like, well, my poor innocent sweet wife sure. could not possibly live with this woman who my father is not married to. And his father says, you need to talk to your wife because she owns this house now and she likes <laughs> my mistress. So I think you're going to need to be okay with it. And at the very end of this particular volume, um, he's about to go and ask her for some money. Mm -hmm. And he's starting to think that she's cheating on him, mm -hmm. which I won't know because I'm not planning on reading the additional volumes I'm of this book. I'm stunned by that. I know. Surprise. Okay. And so he's thinking to himself, I think she's cheating on me. Mm -hmm. And then he... He goes up and he's chatting with her and she says, oh, do you need 20 guinea? And he says, I think I'd like 40. Yep. I just hate him. <laughs> I hate him so much. He's, there was just nothing redeeming. And the problem for me began with the cover of the book, which sure. um, the, the cover of the book, so it's a very thin little novel mm -hmm. and it's only maybe 250 pages. And the cover of the book, the front cover, and this is, I don't remember which edition this is published, sorry. Right. But the front cover is Flashman, and he's mm -hmm. standing in his dress uniform, mm -hmm. which is also not accurate, mm -hmm. because he's supposed to be wearing cherry pink pants, because sure. I caught that detail, and they're blue. But he's standing on his cover, and he has his sword raised, mm -hmm. and he's got his hat on, and his little medals, and it appears like he's in some kind of open windowed room, and you can see a battle going on behind him. Mm -hmm. And sitting immediately behind him is a woman, mm -hmm. uh, either from India or Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. and she's sitting cross-legged on the floor and uh, she's entirely covered except for her breasts uh -huh. and that's the first thing you see that is that is a weird tone setting for a book <laughs> for me to, to pick up on and I just um, I think I got off on the wrong foot with this book and just <laughs> stayed on that wrong foot for it I, I, I see where you find value in it but for me it did not bring that same value it's not so. it's not worth the trouble that you had to go to to get to there the are so many other good books and resources yeah. out there that can talk to structural racism and e even through fiction right. that had additional redeeming qualities to them so that you could absorb that message this one the message just got deflected back and forth for me so right. I totally get that I yeah. mean I was sort of tickled by some of the really stupid things that he says there's and a lot of dumb ones like one of the ones is he he and I did like that Fraser gives him three qualities to um, succeed in life. Oh yeah. And the first one is that he <laughs> is, he has a very nice physique and he's good looking. Yep. So we all know that he's people set. who are able-bodied and attractive mm -hmm. have easier lives than mm -hmm. people who are not. Yep. So he is privileged in that just right off the bat. Yep. Then he is given the skill of excellent horsemanship, which in the time of this novel, will get you far. Absolutely. And so it's a great literary device because it allows him to do things that would be otherwise completely unbelievable. Yeah. But you accept that that is one of his gifts and he's going to go with it. Yeah. His third gift is his ability to pick up languages. Yep. And there are people who can do that and, you know, he's you have to buy into the fact that he's one of them and he can just listen to something for a couple of weeks and then he can converse in the native language. And I did, to me, it tickled me that, that, a couple of times they make reference to the fact that 
huh, isn't that weird that people like you to learn their language and like you to learn about their culture Not and just feel make fun of it respected? And ass- yeah, assume that you know, everyone should speak your language right. because your language is obviously the only, the only language. One. Right. The only, so oh. I found that to be funny, but I understand that. Yeah. I mean, because, because it's so absurd. Yeah, like of it's such it a ridiculous yeah. assumption that you would, yeah. you know. Well, in every place he went, he mm-hmm. had something like that. So the, Absolutely. the first group that he was with was based in London. Mm-hmm. And then he got redeployed because he seduced another person's mistress sure. again. I'm seeing a train here. Are you? Uh, and he got redeployed to Scotland. Yes. And, you know, Scotland, India, maybe not quite the same, but he still had just as much disdain for it. And <laughs> Absolutely. He, he actually wrote, where did I put that? That one was, that one was actually kind of funny. He said, oh, um, I dislike Scotland and the Scots. I, the place I found me wet and the people rude. They had fine qualities, which bore me. Thrift industry, and long-faced holiness. So he, he absolutely was equally indiscriminate with right. his uh, inability to enjoy anything other than the very small subset of what he saw as his core self. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will, mm. I, your comparison, I'm going to take it one step further. He says about India, I like the Indians better than the Scots anyhow. Their language was easier to understand. And so it shows the disdain that yeah. the British had for the Scots, for the Scots and the yes. Welsh. The Welsh don't get away easy here either. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, everybody gets raked over the coals yes. with his arrogance and bigotry and horrificness. Well, and I did like that the author, is, author was Scottish. Right. And so he had to yep. have a little slide in there for, for his, his community and Absolutely. make sure that they were represented equally as foully sure. uh, as everyone else. And mm. the other thing that tickles me, again, because of its ridiculousness is he says i give the advice for what it's worth if you wish to learn a foreign tongue properly study it in bed with a native girl i mean that's just Mm. an appalling statement to make and yet that is how he lived his life well one of the hard parts for me were there were a couple of characters in here that had good qualities and he just couldn't handle it right so like um hudson who was another yes. commander with him who stopped him from murdering a woman yep. and who saved his life yep. and helped hold down a fort yep um hudson got killed yep flashman took the credit for what he did because it was offered up to him so why not sure and never mentioned it again right this is my due yep. i am i happen to be part of the uh, group of people in england at this time who are in charge and i'm, yep. I'm good with that and i'm just gonna keep it and to me, um, talking about Cardigan, this really encapsulates the whole spirit of the book, in my opinion. Mm. Talking about Cardigan, he says he had that unruffleable, unruffleable gaze of the spoiled child of fortune who knows with unshakable certainty that he is right and his world is exactly ordered for his satisfaction and pleasure. It is the look that makes underlings writhe and causes re- revolutions. Yeah, he, and so to me, that fully beautifully encapsulates white privilege yeah. and colonialism. Yeah. And are we surprised that there are um, problems that come out of that? Ooh. No. Should we have seen this? Yes. yes. So that's what yeah. makes this redeeming to me. He meets that Italian general <laughs> part way in. Right. And the general says, you know, you and I are, are pretty close. And I just want to make sure that you know that, you know, on the field of battle, honor you know, you can take it or leave it, but heroes who die don't make any more money than heroes that right. live. So, right. you know, think about that and go on from there. Right. Mm, I, I don't, I, the, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this book. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity. 
<laughs> Do you want to read the next four or five? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, no. Well, you're, I'm gonna, I get to pick the next book. You do, and I'm afraid of that. Because no, I, it's a good one. It's well, so much I'm better. I'm afraid because I think <laughs> that you're going to make me read something really long and terrible no. like The Hobbit. Uh, that's a good one, and it's not long, and it's not terrible, but it's really okay, not it's long either. It's universally so. accepted as the worst book ever written. So no, I feel like we already have that one. It's <laughs> right next to us here. No, my next book, um, I think you will like it even though you don't mean to. Well, I accept that challenge. What is it going to be? Oh, so our book for next month is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by yeah. Douglas Adams. It is also a form of satire, but it is a good form of satire, mm. uh, or it is a more preferable version for me, and it is a slim novel, so I think mm. you will you'll be able to jam through it, much in the way I usually do. Well, I don't mean to um, upset you, because I feel like you should get some retribution out of this, <laughs> and The Hitchhiker's Guide has actually been on my list of things I want to read without you prodding me. Woo! So Winner! <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, quick, we have to, let's wrap this up before okay, something okay, okay, horrible okay. happens. So, um, <laughs> thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, as it obviously was not for me, <laughs> there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So please do join us next month when we will be discussing The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Thank you so much and keep on reading. <laughs>